You're listening to Felony Podcast with your host, Dave Dahl, on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the -the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. My name is Mark Grimes, co-founder of Startup Radio Network. Also with us in the studio, Dave's partner in crime, Lad Justison. And here's a man with a plan, leader of the band, buff and tanned, Dave, the killer bread man, doll. Welcome to the Felony Inc. Podcast, coming to you live from downtown Portland. That's in Oregon. We share stories that show again and again that there is light at the end of the tunnel, that happiness and success are a state of mind, not the result of material gain and fame. Don't get me wrong, I like making money, but it's really learning about to, uh, you know, rock the journey with all its ups and downs that I call success. I'd like to mention that, excuse me, our host, Dave Dahl, um, has a bad back, and he won't be in today. Um, God bless that guy, and uh, he'll be back here real soon, but... um, our guests, uh, our best guests actually on Felony Inc. have discovered the amazing power of accountability and have converted adversity to wisdom and a success mindset. Most of our guests have been convicted of felonies and are now honest, hardworking entrepreneurs. Positive change isn't easy. Transformation is an effort. They put that in there and try to make me swear. Isn't that great? And uh, so I'm Lad Justison. I'm Dave's co-host, and I've known Dave for over 20 years, ever since we met on the prison yard at Snake River in 1998. I can testify that the horrible rumors you hear about me are pretty much inaccurate. The truth is a hell of a lot worse. And today also in the studio with me is our famous, and I'm telling you, famous producer, Mark Grimes. Mark, how are you today? Very good. How you doing there? Our little wow. uh, our little guy, the sound guy we usually have all on, believe it or not, is in Tokyo uh, visiting his wife. So we wish him the best over there and yep. hope he gets back real soon. We miss you, Alan. We'll see you next week. Yeah. All right, well, you know, I just recap uh, some of the stuff the Killer Granddaddies did over the new year. It's a very successful oh, yeah. um, time at the, uh, you know, the governor's Yeah, ball. how was that? Packed house, I bet? Well, it was pretty successful, but it wasn't successful enough to get me laid. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those things where <laughs> you just kind of look at it from different angles. Mm-hmm. Well, Mark, you know what? Today's guest is George Skirtu of On Deck Logistics, an on-call freight company. We'll get more into that later because this has kind of changed a little bit. George is one of the earlier graduates of Business in a Box, a program at Saniam Correctional Institute in Salem, Oregon, that grooms incarcerated adults to start their own business while in prison and get a rolling start to running after they are released. And we use that term adults loosely there. So (laughs) this is George's second time on our show. The first time our communication wasn't great. Sound kind of sucked, so we're having him back. George started on deck as a side hustle, even though it was a full-time endeavor. 
to make ends meet as he waited for On Deck to be profitable. He had another full-time job in real estate that he went to in the afternoon. As my grandmother used to say, no rest for the wicked and the righteous don't need any. Doubt George gets much sleep, but at least it keeps him out of trouble. So now we're going to hear George's story, how his company has evolved over the last year, his trials and tribulations. Welcome to the Felony Inc. podcast, Mr. George Skirtu. Thank you, lad. Thank you, Michael. Definitely appreciate that. So you can hear us okay? Everything's good on your end? Yeah. Can you guys hear me? We can hear you. Very good. All right. So this is going to be a lot better because last time we had a little sound problems, but we're going to get on with this. So, George, you know what we'd like to do is... Since the last podcast, uh, we uh, you know we talked some really cool stuff about business in the box. Your time in uh, being incarcerated, especially mm-hmm. at San Am Correctional Facility. Yep. So let's go back. You know, I'm really interested in hearing, and the listeners, I'm sure, will be interested in hearing about how you started a walkathon in prison. Something that really had never happened there before. So why don't we go back there, start with that, and then maybe we can progress into uh, how you got into business in a box. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's probably the highlight of um, you know my seven and a half year sentence. And uh, I was in the business in a box program where we were able to start and run our own businesses and. You know, by reading and doing a lot of introversion, I found out that, you know, giving back was something that I wanted to do. So, you know, I was having a conversation with uh, Miss May, who was uh, the um, activities coordinator who had an office right next door to uh, Mr. Bielenberg's office. And uh, she had uh, asked, you know, I told her I wanted to give back to people who were affected by suicide um, because I had lost my father to suicide. So um, she said, well, have you know, have you heard of the Out of the Darkness Community Walks? And I hadn't at that particular time. um, And given we don't have the Internet, so we couldn't exactly Google it. Right. Uh, Um, So, you know. Later, uh, a couple of days later, Dan Bielenberg, uh, we were in his office and we were talking and I told him, you know, I wanted to donate a hundred dollars of, you know, my revenue from my business to the Out of the Darkness Community Walks. So he pulled up uh, a video on his computer because he has access to the Internet in his office. And, you know, when he when he played that short video, it was a commercial for the the walks i just saw the the magnitude of people that were affected by by suicide and they had like a bunch of shoes like lined up uh along this walk and i i literally just broke down in his office and i cried and uh miss may came over from the other office and she said uh, you know hey what what's wrong and i said uh, i was just really passionate about connecting myself and my business to this cause so when i get out i want to be a part of it and Dan looked at me and Dan was like, well, why wait till you get out? Why don't we do one here? And it was profound to me because I was just like, you know, being incarcerated for seven years, I was like, we can do that. You know, like, what do you what do you mean we can do one here? So, you know, I wrote a proposal. I, I brought it to I presented the proposal to management, um, the superintendent. Everybody uh, there in the superintendent's office, and they approved it, and we wrote a plan. Um, we executed the plan. We raised over three thousand thirty, almost three thousand dollars, and 
$3,063 for the foundation. And uh, we had a great walk and, you know, we had a bunch of people attend. We had volunteers from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention come in and, and walk with us. And, you know, it was the first time um, that the AS- a- AFSP has ever done that inside of a prison in the country. So it was a pretty exciting event. And, uh, you know, we were able to, to come together. The inmates and the staff members both walked. We both, um, you know, donated to the cause and we created a fundraiser to help uh, raise money for it. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of one of those things to where we sh- we were able to show while we were incarcerated that, you know, it doesn't matter your social status. It doesn't matter who you are, your sex, your religion, what, what have you. Um, but you can come together for one cause and, and, you know, give back to the community, even um, as an adult in custody. So, you know, uh, George, I think one of the important things here that we're kind of missing is, is, uh, you know, Dan Bielenberg and Miss May, they, their staff at Sandy M. These yes. are, these are people, could you explain, you know, their capacity there and, and, you know, how it would, it affected you to be able to, you know, to talk to and, and, uh, and arrange something with the staff there at the facility? Yeah, that's for, for people who haven't done time, they really don't, um, grasp that concept. So I thank you for, for bringing that up, um, because, uh, as an adult in custody, um, you know, working hand in hand with staff members is essentially frowned upon, you know, uh, the, the, the correctional officers are, are there to essentially keep you there. Right. And so your sentence is up and then, um, you're an adult in custody and you're just essentially waiting till you get out. But, uh, Dan Bielenberg and Miss May are an amazing, um, duo at Sandy Am Correctional Institution. They, uh, I mean, I remember when I first uh, was introduced to them, um, like as for the business in a box program, you know, I I didn't realize how much they were interested in helping us Uh, because normally it's like, you know, I'm doing my time. They're they're just, you know, there to to go to work and clock out. And uh, with Dan, it's completely different. Um, He he has he's an idea guy and he takes action on top of that so you know he was in conversations with another gentleman um who was at the dome building and they were talking about this business in a box program and um i applied for it and turned in a business plan and then uh that's when he was like hey well we need to get this guy in the office and you know have him work with us so he created a position for me to be the clerk of the business in a box program um but uh, yeah, being able to shake the hand of a staff member as an inmate, you know, is something that is like you normally staff members and inmates aren't supposed to touch each other, uh, you know, unless obviously their job calls for it. Um, but that's just like that human interaction, you know, and being able to be heard as as a, an adult in custody um, and implement your ideas was huge. I mean, to be to be 100% straightforward, I mean, the last year and a half, two years, I was incarcerated at that minimum facility. It didn't really feel like I was incarcerated. Uh, I only got reminded when I'd go on, like, transport and get handcuffed again, you know. So it's definitely an interesting um, dynamic they have there, and the, the Business in a Box program is growing. And, man, I mean, my hat's off to, to Dan Bielenberg for the things that he's doing there and um, she and May for all the things that she does to help. But, uh 
So they are staff members of the Department of Corrections, and Dan is the Inmate Work Program Coordinator, and uh, Shia May is the Activities Coordinator. So she helps with like uh, the different, you know, events that they have and things like that. And Dan runs, I mean, a multitude of things on top of Business in a Box. He does like fire extinguisher program, and you know the the out crews that go out and work in the community. So I mean, they do a tremendous amount there at that facility. So. You know, the business in a box, you know, that right there, you know, we had Dan Bielenberg on our show before and he explained, you know, what's happening. Me and Dave actually went to Sandy Am and visited the program. And I'm telling you that it's just amazing what they've been able to do there. But can you explain to me a little bit about how that program set, you know, set you up for success when you got out? Oh, man. Um I can't, I can't even begin to tell you how much it set me for, up for success, uh, uh, but I'll, I'll try. I'll work on it. I'll, I'll, I'm going to do, do my best. Uh, so, for instance, um, being incarcerated and you know, going from a medium for three years to a minimum is a shock in, in all in itself. And then uh, you know, being a part of the Business in a Box program, we would have meetings every week, and we would talk about business and we would we're getting people who are like-minded right we're thinking more we're thinking bigger than just ourselves we're thinking bigger than we're doing time we're thinking about how we can help people we're thinking about how we can market we're thinking about you know way larger things than what's for chow tonight you know or hey you know who's doing good at the pinochle table or what have you you know so i mean it, it was just it was an amazing environment to be in because we could get around like-minded people who are um, not so much into selfishness and um, talking about being selfless. Uh, one of the one of the questions that we like to ask when we have guests come in and speak at the Business in a Box program, and I imagine they're still doing this, is asking people, you know, how can we help you? This is a citizen who's a business owner coming in or maybe they're an accountant or, you know, there's somebody, there's somebody that has experience with entrepreneurship and or business coming in from the community and, and, you know, attending these meetings and kind of sharing their knowledge um, where inmates are asking them, how can they help them? You know, so it's just a complete mind shift um, from, you know, I'm just waiting until I get out, I'm just here to do my time to how can I add value to the people around me and how can I add value to the community? How can I add value to other people with my business? And it's just, uh, I'd say the mindset, kind of like what you talked about at the beginning of the show, is really the biggest thing that helps people through this program is just changing their mindset now. Versus when I get out, I'm going to do this. When I get out, I'm going to think about that. It's no, you can do that right now and you can actually take action right now and provide yourself some sort of, you know, head start and support for yourself by the time you get out. And, you know, one of the big things when, when me and Dave went in, down there and visited these guys in there, uh, one of the big things that they uh, kind of told us about how that program is, is that when... They left the prison and went into that room. It was just like almost getting away from the prison. The whole mindset of everything inside there was so much different than the politics of, you know, the yard and, and the weight pile and all that other stuff. 
How important? Mm-hmm. How important was that you to you? You know, to be able to to kind of focus on something without all the other distractions. Uh, that was vital. It was it was great. Um, I, I I joke about that that room that you're talking about is room 118, and I joke about that's where I spent all my time. Like as soon as breakfast was over, I would head down. I would get my stuff and, you know, after eating and, and grab all my stuff to go down there to work. And I would be sitting down in front of this door that's locked. And I'd wait for a CO to walk by so I could be like, hey, can you open this door for me? I'm the I'm the clerk here. I, I need this door open. And that was 6 a.m. And I wouldn't leave a lot of times till like 9. Of You know, of course, going back to my bunk for a count and chow and, you know, to work out in the yard. And then but I would I'd spend most of my time there if not all, as much as I could anyway. Um, so, you know, I mean, it, it was, it was vital, man, because you're, you're, uh, it's the power of association, right? So we would have people, we would invite people down there that had a similar mindset. Even if they weren't a part of the program, we'd be like, Hey man, come down to room 118. Let's, let's talk, you know, and get to know them. Maybe they wanted to learn more about business. We would just teach them what we knew um you know things like that to where it it was a place where you could essentially escape which is something that you can't say in prison (laughs) you could escape prison and and be in a room where it wasn't about the politics it wasn't about you know um who won the game or or what have you and it's so interesting because out here it's almost like the same thing because you we it's the power of association is everywhere, whether you're in prison or you're out of prison. Um, you know, the people you place yourself around is essentially the people you become. So by doing that and having that separate space and getting away from the negativity, the, the, the you know, other things that go on in prison was just vital. All right, George, you know what? We've got to take a short break here, but we'll be right back. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all of your calls live as if they're right there in your office. And with Ruby's mobile app, you easily control just how they screen, transfer, and take your messages. Start setting your business apart today. Visit callruby.com slash startup radio to sign up, or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code STARTUPRUBY. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and you get $150 credit. You know, I'm telling you, that that Dave guy, man, he has one sexy voice. <laughs> That's one sexy guy right there. <laughs> All right, George, so uh, when we play our little intermission things, we can edit this out later, but um, they can hear you talking, so sorry about that. So let's get back. I, you know, I want you to, before we move on to you getting out, I want you to explain Business in a Box a little bit more because this program is so cool. In order to get into this business or into this program, you actually have to start a business and file with you know the state in order to get an, an LLC, LLC to start the program. And you have to put some money up front, which is kind of hard for inmates in there who don't really have a lot. So kind of explain a little bit about how that happens. So, I mean, it, it goes even further than just, um, you know, filing with the Secretary of State. We have an application, and we uh, 
uh, at least while I was there. It's it's been a year and a half now. Um, but you want to have a business plan to present before you're even you know accepted into the program. Um, so filling out an application, you know, we take a look at the person, we take a look at their their history, what they've been got, got going on um, on the the 400. Obviously, we don't, but staff does. Excuse me, and. Uh, yeah, once you're able to get accepted into the program, you you do have to file with the Secretary of State, and you essentially decide. I mean, sole proprietorship, LLC. I mean, you you could start a corporation if you wanted to in there, but we we really uh, try to you know be above board on everything. So with uh, you know the the corporation, obviously, there's a lot more paperwork, and it doesn't always make sense um, for the added protection and the different things with. Um, the amount of money that's coming in. So yes, normally it's like an LLC or a sole proprietorship that people start. And as far as the uh, you know generating the income to to pay for that, yeah, it is tough. I mean, people make downwards of seven dollars a month, upwards of seventy dollars a month, you know, um, in prison. So coming up with fifty bucks is uh, pretty tough sometimes for people uh, compared to, you know, out here just filing with the Secretary of State online and, and just swiping your credit card. Um, so, yeah, no, it's it's definitely something that we're all above board as far as uh, all that goes. And, you know, DOC has a, even taken a look at our program recently um, after, you know, it's been operating since early 2016, I believe, or even started in 15. Um, and they took a look at the books. They took a look at everything, like, and they did a, a full audit of the program. And, you know, we've been above board. We had to obviously, you know, there are always little things that you can do to make adjustments. But, yeah, they're growing. Um, they are not stopping. And, you know, there's certain hurdles that people don't even think about, like uh, an inmate buying something from an inmate. That's against DOC policy. Uh, so, you know, we've we've been able to uh, work together with DOC that these business owners are legitimate business owners. We're doing everything above board and they've actually like approved for for that to happen, which is like an amazing step forward for the Department of Corrections, because normally, you know, you, you don't trust these guys. Right. So why would you trust them to buy stuff from each other? And it's just a policy that's been, you know, there for so long that, you know, the average citizen doesn't really think about. But when you start a program inside, that's all you think about a lot of times, because who else is going to be your customer base? <laughs> you right. know, like, how are you going to reach out to people? Like, how are you going to market when you're incarcerated you do not have access to the internet you don't have just the ability to go set up a web page and you know or go out to the mall and advertise and hand out you know network it's it's you have to work with your situation so i mean it's amazing what they've done there and i believe they did um the year i left i i know i think they did 20 grand in sales and that's pretty fantastic considering you know, if you make top dollar at DOC, you're making like $600, $700 a year. And they were able to generate, you know, quite a bit of income compared to, you know, what they would get paid for, for prize points in, in DOC for working every day. And, you know, our listeners are probably wondering, well, what kind of businesses can these guys start in there? I mean, but, you know, most of them are, are some type of art or craft. 
So mm-hmm. leatherworking, beadworking, um, art. Um, I actually saw a guy in there that did some airbrushing uh, yeah. on a Harley gas tank for one of the officers. And that's another thing that I don't think you'll see in a lot of prisons is the fact that the inmates there and the program being so trusted are actually allowed to sell their products to the staff. Yes. And that's that's an, that's another aspect of it. To, uh, to sell two staff, two inmates, and um, real quick, I just got a I just got a quick update. They did fifty k, uh, not just twenty. So amazing stuff. That's one of amazing. the business, yeah, one of the business owners there um, named Adam, um, who has a leatherworking company. Yeah, we know um, Adam. Yeah, Hild H I L D. Yeah, yeah. Shout out right now, yep. Adam. Hey, Adam. Hey, Adam. <laughs> you know, uh, he, and also he did over eleven k. So that's amazing compared that's amazing. to six seven hundred dollars you could have made. He, you know, I mean, whatever the multiplier that is, he made twenty thirty times that. You know. Yeah, it's just amazing. You know, while we're on the subject, you know, why don't we just do a little shout out to our good buddy, uh, Dan Bielenberg. I'm sure he's probably listening today. Dan, you're the man, of course, in a woman's body, but (laughs) you're the man. We love you, Dan. (laughs) Yep. All right, George. So let's uh, move away from that and let's get to, so you got out. You had all this, you know, this confidence and kind of things rolling from the program mm-hmm. and uh, Dan and all of the stuff he's doing there. So you get out and you start a business. So let's let's go to that real quick. And I know that that business either is no longer or kind of a side one now. So let's talk a little bit about that and how you started that. Yeah. So I came up. We were creating a plan for logistics um, quite a bit of time before I got out. So I got out in mid-2017 in July, and we started working on our logistics plan probably June of 2016. Uh, a partner of mine and I uh, named Brian, and uh, so we got it all together. I mean, um, he got out before me, and he was sending me information, all of the training. Like I was like studying while I was still in, um, while I was, uh, doing my art business, which was scribble studios at the time, um, to generate income while I was in there. And then, uh, I got out and, uh, man, (laughs) entrepreneurism isn't for everybody. (laughs) I was working just a tremendous amount of hours. Uh, um, I, last time we had spoke, you know, um, I had been, I believe I was still on my own. And I mean, in 2017, after getting out, I mean, I was I was 500 in the red or 5,000 in the red. Like I lost five grand, and uh, you know, it was it was a pretty humbling experience to be like, man, I'm doing all the things I need to do to study to get this done, and then get out there and just get stomped on. Um, you know, logistics is is definitely a money making industry, and uh, it's a uh, it's something that I got into and I was, I was working to build it. And, uh, I eventually took on a couple of partners and they still actually operate on deck logistics. And I resigned, um, in let's see, August, um, for a few different reasons. They're, they're a great, uh, group of guys, super smart, super great, um, salespeople, fantastic at what they do. Um, one guy was already in logistics and he was a top salesperson for his company. 
he ended up leaving that company and coming on board to uh, build on deck with me. And then uh, we had another guy move up from California um, and he was a real estate agent and he left real estate to do what we were doing. And, you know, I mean, between uh, I, I was working full time, um, Keller Williams uh, doing phone calls uh, to schedule consultations with real estate agents. And I was doing part-time logistics. And then when I became partners with them, it switched. I became full-time logistics and part-time real estate. So I was taking like nightly naps. Uh, I was sleeping like four hours a night, just, you know, working from five to five on logistics, five to eight on real estate. And then on the weekends, I was making real estate calls all weekend. So like, it was like brutal every day on the phone. It was a... it was definitely a humbling experience and, you know, due to just difference in, in leadership styles and, um, some, uh, some disagreements, I I guess you could say, uh, you know, I ended up just saying, Hey, you know what? I'm wiping my hands clean. I'm getting out of logistics. Uh, and, uh, I essentially resigned and they, they took on the company and they're still running the company and they're a good group of guys. It's just that it was better for me to leave, the company that I started. <laughs> so, George, um, explain a little bit more about what, logi- what logistics is. You know, what what what, the, what does the company do? What do you provide? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry about that. So, it's considered a third party logistics, as in we don't have we. If somebody has freight, they need moved, like in a semi truck, fifty three foot, forty eight foot truck, whether that be refrigerated, uh, a dry van, or flatbed. You know, we would essentially find out the load information, how much it weighs, you know, what it is, where it needs to ship to, by when, all that type of stuff. And then we would go and we would contract uh, through other companies to actually move the freight for us that had the right trailer type, insurance, safety record, you know, stuff like that. So we were essentially the middleman between all of that freight getting to Safeway and all the freight getting to you know your malls and different things and i mean you see how many trucks are on the road nowadays there's either you know um, a broker in that deal or they're doing business directly with the transportation company that actually has the assets so i had um no trucks but i was moving freight well sounds like a pretty good business you know you don't have to buy your own trucks Mm -hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. just get out. And this is an important thing for our listeners, you know, especially guys that are incarcerated that might be listening to our program, is that, you know what, you don't have to start some great big huge company to begin with when you get out. You can take something really simple, uh, you know, that doesn't take a lot of investment and mm-hmm. uh, and go with that at first, you know, because it's going to teach you a lot of lessons along the way about how to run a business. And maybe, and like you, you know, you're going to explain how you transitioned out of, uh, you know, doing your logistics to your other jobs. But, you know, take something on that is, is doable to begin with. Don't don't start something that's just so huge that you end up failing mm-hmm. and because that ends up taking you back to a place where you don't want to be and sometimes back to prison. So, you know, doing something that's, uh, you know, an everyday thing, something small, doesn't take a lot of money to start up. I, I think that's a really great idea to kind of focus on right when you get out. Good yeah. point. Good point. Hey, George, I got a question for you. So you learned a lot here doing your first startup in your first company. Um, kind of learning what you learned if you were to start a second company 
Um, what's the biggest lesson that you take with you in starting a second startup? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I have ventured onto another business endeavor. And what I learned was with the power of association, really pay attention to who you're working with and um, their leadership styles, their values, their principles, their ability to communicate. Um, you know, really, really focus on those. And I mean, we interview people for employees, right, to be employees for us. So when it comes to somebody that's going to be an owner with you, you really want to do your due diligence when it comes to that and understand the people that you're working with. Are they somebody that you want to spend day and night with? Um, and, uh, you know, are you going to, you know, work together and communicate and kind of be able to move forward um, without having like riffs or, you know, having a lot of disagreements to where you can't come to a solution. So I think that what I learned was, you know, culture like what type of culture do you want to start and have for the long term? And um, that's that's one of the biggest things is mm. is the power of association, mm -hmm. who who you're going to be spending your time with. Mm -hmm. And uh, are, is that going to be enjoyable for you or is it going to be more of a stress on your life? Well, I think we know now why Dave's not here today, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Well, you know, thinking about that, uh, it reminds me of something Dave told me about his business uh, when he started it, and that was the fact that, you know, when you know, you know, humility, that's a great thing in business, you know, and based mm -hmm. Dave's, uh, you know, his little thing on humility was that, you know, you can be teachable and, and, and uh, you can learn from other people, and, and uh, not only that, but um, you can admit when you don't know something. Yeah, I think that's one of Dave's, you know, great attributes in the bakery was that when he didn't know something or his brother or, or nephew didn't know something, they would hire the right person. They would look for that right person because they knew what they needed, but they couldn't accomplish it in themselves. But mm -hmm. they would humble themselves and hire the right person to help the company move forward. And I, I've seen that in a, a bunch of times at the bakery. Uh, they were really smart about who they hired. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, even then, I mean, they could be fantastic at what they do, like, and make you a bunch of money. But if you're, you know, like the, like I said, the culture, the mindset, the, the communication, if that's not there, I mean, that's essentially like they're, they're making good money now on deck and they're doing very well. It's just, you know, they, we had different views on things and like I said, different leadership styles. And I decided that uh, I'd rather you know, move on from that and um, not continue uh, what was going on there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely interesting, um, you know, combining life, your your work, your entrepreneurism um, and all those things and, and being able to kind of go day to day uh, with having that not only motivation, but having the drive and the ability to, to continue to wake up and be energized about it, mm -hmm. you know? I think another piece of actionable advice based on what you're saying too, George, is if you, if you have somebody that you think you want to be a partner with, you know, don't just jump right into it. Work on something, work on a project mm -hmm. together for 30 or 60 days and deal with some problems together before you get into a bigger thing. One hundred percent, absolutely. And that was, you know, that was a mistake of mine. I saw... 
I, I saw the guy was very successful at what he does, and he brought in another guy who was very sharp, real estate agent, did very well in real estate. And I was like, man, I can learn a tremendous amount from these guys. And I did. I learned way i learned i learned a tremendous amount from from them like i said they're great at what they do it's just we just had to to part ways and i there's no ill feelings i still talk to them every now and then i help them a little bit with their year end um this year um because they had some questions because uh i essentially handed them over the business so when it came to filing with the irs they had some questions for me and you know yeah we still work together and there's no there's no rifts or anything there so that's, good. that's another thing is being able to be graceful about making decisions like that you know that's probably something we should have done here mark is uh we should have done a 30-day trial with mark and his crew <laughs> and then uh you know we could have said have booted me out could have said goodbye you know so but we're still here we work things through and we turn the business over to mark and he's doing all right with it right right there all right go, so so let's move forward a little bit um but before we do why don't we just thank our sponsors one more time and we'll be right back cpa dudes where accounting is never boring their price is not based on time instead customers decide what to pay them they don't charge you for sending invoices phone calls emails texts or meetings they just get the damn job done find them at cpadudes.com startup radio Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and we'll send you a very special surprise. Seriously, we will. All right, Dave. You know, I, I, I don't even know what that surprise is. Um, maybe we shouldn't really wonder about that. <laughs> Some of the surprises I, Dave has given me are, well, they're surprises. Right, right. <laughs> at, least, at least I didn't talk that, that uh, commercial. <laughs> <laughs> we can edit that out and throw in something, you know, <laughs> throw in a good ad. All yeah. right, all right, George. So, you know, it's you've been doing really good. You asked us that question earlier, but you're you're doing great. So, um, let's go from your logistics company to what you're doing now. How you got into mm-hmm. that? How you transitioned into that? And how well it's working for you today? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I was doing logistics and real estate. I ended up leaving both. Um, I had plans to invest into real estate. I had, you know, I was building on my credit score. I got it up to a 771, which is actually pretty dang excellent. Wow, that's good. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, I I found I found another vehicle in which um, I could operate, and it was it ran more along my why, which my why was, you know, impacting people in a positive way, helping them with personal development, and they're reaching their potential and. Also, you know, business development, helping people build an asset for themselves that generates income versus building somebody else's asset and, you know, getting them rich. Um, but uh, right now, I'm actually working for a nonprofit, um, and that's, you know, my day job. Uh, it's the Arc of the Peninsulas. We're uh, a nonprofit organization that helps people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And I'm kind of helping their enterprise department, as in like how they generate income. Um, you know, I help out with their, their clothing donations and stuff like that. And I've taken on their car donation program. And uh, I've recently made it to where I can uh, take on car donations nationwide. And I've uh, partnered up with local different companies here as far as, you know, anything from scrapyards to dealerships to, you know, repair shops and stuff like that. So um, that they can take on those vehicles and then we can get the funding for our program 
and it helps you know local business and if i find vehicles outside of local business i just utilize our uh nonprofit that does it nationally um but also uh it's interesting from my experience with doing business plans working with business in a box starting on deck logistics you know i've been able to add a lot of value at this nonprofit so uh they asked me to write up a plan for them to bring bingo back <laughs> nice so, yeah bingo. <laughs> and uh it's interesting looking at the trends you know the the paper games are like trending down and you know like uh, everybody kind of is more digital nowadays, so I've thrown out some ideas about that. But it's so it's it's great because from all of my experiences in the last like what three and a half four years, I've been able to kind of come go somewhere, add a lot of value, but still be able to, to to build a business on the side where I'm helping people, you know, uh, develop personally, and you know I'm, I have uh, coaching and mentorship that you know helps me. Because that's the biggest thing I was I was missing and lacking was I was trying to go out and just do everything without, you know, asking what's the best way. I was like, um, that's one of my mistakes that I want to kind of um, put out there to where I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to hit the ground running. I got all these things going. I've been studying for a year and, you know, a month about logistics. I got it. All it takes is action now. I just got to hit these phones and you know and just do it and uh what i didn't do was i didn't find a mentor that had been there done that made the mistakes and was able to kind of guide me in the right direction um and one that i could you know communicate with or or uh have a similar leadership style so i found a group of people who who have the same mentality as me who have a growth mindset, who are interested in, you know, helping people be better men and better women and also growing a great business at the same time. And that's essentially what I do now is, uh, you know, I help I help find people like that that are interested in a growth mindset and um, interested in growing their own business. And I help, you know, them plug into mentorship. You know, George, I remember, uh, you know, when, when I was at the bakery with Dave and we'd travel around promoting the bread, Dave would speak in uh, prisons and juvenile facilities and whatever. And I heard Dave say one day, you know, somebody asked him, hey, Dave, you know, do you go to AA? What, you know, what do you do to, to keep on track? And Dave told him, this is my AA right here, mm-hmm. coming into these prisons, coming into these juvenile facilities, talking to you guys. And, uh, you know, this keeps me on track because... This is what, you know, giving back has, uh, you know, how, how important is that? I mean, you give back and it really keeps you on track. You know, yeah. when you're in a position where you're giving back to somebody and there's a little bit of responsibility in doing that, man, how important is that, George, to you to, uh, you know, be able to do that every day and how fulfilling and, and, and how much it keeps you on track? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really one of my passions to, to offer people, you know, my experience, my knowledge, um, all, all the things I've been able to accumulate to, to help others kind of, you know, get that step forward and not make the same mistakes. And, uh, obviously giving back was big with me with the American foundation for suicide prevention. Um, you know, I've, I I do want to say this, that I did take a step back, um, as far as like focusing a hundred percent, or not a hundred percent on it, but, um, putting a lot of my time and effort into giving back right now, because I have to build, um, for myself before I can give 
um, to others. It's like, you know, Dave, Dave, for instance, I mean, I'm sure, you know, he gave, uh, he gave what he could when, you know, he didn't make the money that he made, but now he gives a tremendous amount. And that's, that's what I, I want to be able to give as much as I make in a year, you know, right now. <laughs> um, and eventually and more, um, so that's that's one of the things that I'm like, I was very kind of widespread to where I was trying to do everything at once. And I was trying to, to give and put all my time here and put some time over here. And then, you know, sleep was like, who needs sleep? And then, you know, it was, uh, but giving back is definitely something that drives me. And it's for me, it's more of, I need to do the work now so I can su- not only support myself, but support others. And then I'll be able to give back a tremendous amount, you know, here in a few years versus trying to do it now. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And, you know, um, another point is, is that, you know, during Dave's bakery days, um, about a third of Dave's employees were ex-felons, you know, given mm-hmm. a second chance. And there were just some tremendous stories because of that. How many employees do you have and have you given the opportunity, you know, to some fellow ex-felons? you know, felons? Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I don't with the business model that we have, I don't have to have employees. Um, It's a it's essentially like a a franchising opportunity um, to where if uh, if I work with people, they are allowed to start their own businesses. And then we just help coach and mentor how to build that build themselves. And then that way they're building their asset. and uh, it's equal opportunity. So it doesn't matter if you've been incarcerated. It doesn't matter if you have a disability. It doesn't matter what have you. All that matters is that you have the right mindset. You're willing to work and you're willing to change. And change is one of the toughest parts of it, right? That's true. You know, it, because, it, oh, go ahead. I'm uh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, uh, because, I mean, with change, I mean, it's it's one of the most difficult things. We have routines. We have habits and things like that to where changing those routines and habits are like very the most difficult part and um with that you know that's that's what we look for is people who are interested in change and for a better life and yeah then we kind of just uh we link them up with with our mentors and we help with any questions that they have and then we help them build a business for themselves versus somebody else Uh, but you were going to say well, I was going to ask you if you've had the opportunity to go back into Sandy Am and visit, you know, Dan Bielberg and Business in a Box. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So last this past year in 2018, wow, 2018 was last year, um, <laughs> uh, when they had the second annual walk at the facility, I was able to get approved by my parole officer and uh, the superintendent there, Ms. Hendricks, and she's great because she – you know, was the reason that all of that got approved. She was so supportive of the of the walk and business in a box. And man, she she did a, a, an amazing job out there. And um, she proved me to come in, and I was able to talk to the guys at Business in a Box and meet some of the new members and and walk with them. And uh, I got the opportunity to talk for a little bit um, during a Talk Saves Lives presentation. So, uh, we're, Dan and I were actually just talked this morning about when's the next time I'm going to be coming out and it'll probably be at the next walk here in May. Sweet. Yeah. That's man. Getting that opportunity to, to go into that program is obviously, I don't know how many guys have been through that program, but just think about, you know, 
if they've gotten out, even a small number of them have gotten out and been successful, that mm-hmm. that program is totally successful. And I heard there's a pretty pretty low rate of uh, recidivism for guys that have been in that program. So we're getting to the time, George, where it's almost uh, time to say goodbye. So why don't, uh, if you have anything you want to plug, website, Facebook, anything like that, why don't you let our listeners know and they can come visit you. Yeah, uh, my Facebook is just uh, George Skirtu, S-K-U-R-T-U. Reach out to me if uh, you have a growth mindset. And uh, as far as shout-outs, Robin, I know you're probably listening right now. Robin's done, I think, 20 years, and he gets out here in like a week or on Wednesday. Um, Can't forget about you, buddy. He He was instrumental in growing the program and keeping everything above board as well and, and helping me. And he, he also managed the, the video inside program and helped make videos. So he did a tremendous amount for, for Sandy M for, um, the program. And I mean, he's done a bunch of other stuff before that, but I know he's getting out here soon. He's, he's been short timing. No, and man, then, 20 years, yeah, and, man. Could you imagine, you know, I did that. <laughs> I did 20 years in the Oregon prison system and it was, it was pretty weird getting out. So, you know, blessings to to him you know and hopefully he'll stay on track and do the right thing right exactly so george i just want to thank you again for coming on our show uh great talk you did super well really proud of you uh keep doing what you're doing man all right thank you so much guys appreciate you guys and appreciate everybody at the the business in a box program that's listening and um any other listeners out there thank you so much you're welcome man have a good day now, also, I'd like to remind everybody that, to leave Felony Inc. podcast a review on iTunes. We might even read it on the air. But thanks for joining this week on Felony Inc. podcast. I'm Lad Justices, and join us every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific time at StartupRadioNetwork.com and catch up on previous episodes on any podcast app. If you know what's good for you, you'll shut up and listen. If you don't, I can't promise that we won't show up at your place late at night and make you listen. Breaking and entering Dave's ass? Ha! (laughs) This will be full-on breaking and listening. And a big thanks to you this week, our guest, George Skirtu, on On Deck Logistics. Next week, our guest is Kevin Rainey of Corp Car, an elite group of executive chauffeurs providing personalized support for discerning travelers wanting more than a driver. Coming up after the break is Latino Founder Hour with your host this week, Edgar Navas. Their podcast is usually in Spanish, so Cuanto Madera Podria Terrar Una Montaro Si Una Madubla de Madera Podria Terrar Madera. Do you know what that says? I, you Has know anybody what I, told you yet? I think it's uh, the woodchuck thing. You got it. How That's much right. chuck? How much wood could a woodchuck chuck? Of a woodchuck? I, I was just messing with you, and I forgot to pull oh, that they, out. And they wanted me to do that in, in Spanish. <laughs> All, All right, right, guys. See Everybody, you. be good to each other. See you next week. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.